Hi everybody, I'm Peter Travers. This is Popcorn, where we tell you what's happening at the movies. And there's an extraordinary movie out now called The White Crow, which is directed by my guest today, Ray Fiennes, who is also in the movie. Well, I could tell you a lot about it, but why should I? You're here, you're here. Why did you decide that you were going to direct a movie about Rudolf Noriev in that period, because it's not a biopic. I should have said that no, to you, it really isn't. No, it's no. that section of yeah. his young life. That's right. Well, I came across the story of what you call his young life about 20 years ago, and I was given the first five chapters of a new bio biography of Noriev that was coming out, written by a lady called Julie Kavanagh, who's mm -hmm. a, a dance expert and critic, and. Um, and I never quite knew why she sent me the chapters, because at that time I had no conscious desire to direct. And I or dance. Or dance. <laughs> or, 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 or had no desire to act the role of Rudolf Nureyev. I didn't know much. I knew who he was, but I'd never seen him dance. I had no interest or particular experience of ballet, really. It was just the story of this young boy from a very poor part of central Soviet Russia who finds within himself this ferocious sort of messianic need to dance and gets into the ballet school in Leningrad and gets on a tour finally he's 23 years old in France and ends up defecting but that story just leapt off the page and I just remember reading thinking this is an amazing movie but I don't know who's going to direct it but somebody certainly should direct it and I always sat there as a sort of idea for a film but I didn't really embrace it as something I would direct until much later when I've directed two movies and Gabby Tanner, who's produced those films, said to me, you know, do you want to do this because we should move on it if you do and I can option the necessary material. Mm -hmm. um, and well, I really, you only needed those chapters. Oh, that's all I needed. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. And, and so um, I said yes. And then she said, well, who should write it? And this was about 2014. And I just, I was aware that it was a huge, I think... <laughs> Well, I said yes out of a gut instinct that this is, I know that story is good. I know it's good. I know. But then I approached David Hare, who I, because David writes very strong personalities very well. Mm -hmm. Big egos, big charismatic figures with wit and compassion and a sense of humor. And I just had a feeling that he would respond. He had read Julie's biography, he had loved it. And we did, we negotiated the deal with him. BBC Films financed that, that, that commission. And he, I sat down with him and we started saying, OK, here's the story, so how are we going to do it? How are we going to make it into a film? I think we both loved the... I mean, clearly people... He's a, he's a confrontational personality. Uh, That's yeah. a word for it, too. Yeah. That's a, there's a yeah. huge ego yeah, there. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we definitely didn't want to dilute that. Mm -hmm. And we actually... He and I love that aspect of him. We think it's fun and great, and it's kind of a slightly... Quality and it is, which, yeah. Which we think is great. <laughs> Some people, of course, go, oh, "Will the audience like him?" Which is a red rag to us because we don't care. We we just think he's interesting. Yeah, you're talking to the guy who is in Schindler's List, you know, and who's Lord Voldemort. Yeah. They should all be liked. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. You shouldn't be. You shouldn't be a part of any movie where somebody. It may not. I hate that. Yeah, I hate that idea yeah. that characters are supposedly yeah. not interesting yeah. unless we want to take them home oh. with us. Yeah, no. I no, I completely agree. You would have nothing to play. Hey, no, nothing, you know? nothing. Exactly. Yeah, all saints. That's that right. would no, be what yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah, has to happen. But when you put this together, you know when. You were just talking about that and the, the defection scene mm. because I was talking to somebody about the movie, I hadn't seen it, mm -hmm. and they said, well, do I know why 
uh, Nureyev defects. Mm -hmm. And I said, you don't, to me, I didn't know specifically, it looked like everything was happening at that airport. Yeah, it was. That, yeah. that every, every pressure. You that's, know, right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. They want him to go back to Russia. What's going to happen to me if I go back? Yeah. Are they going to kill me? What's going to happen? I want to be free, yeah. but do I want to be free that much? You know, yeah, yeah, and that's exactly. that's so present tense. It is that. That's yeah. exactly that's yeah. exactly the thing that yeah. I lo when I read those chapters. It was the because in those chapters and that description of the airport, the present tenseness of it, mm -hmm. second by second, minute by minute. That was the thing that I just thought this is really a thrilling conclusion to this to that story. That's the one I wanted to tell. Um, so why does he defect? I mean, it's a multitude of things. But as you say, he's, he's put in a moment like that, bang. He hasn't got time to consider the freedom of expression. or I mean, it's just a, he's just realizing that he's going to be pressured, possibly punished, possibly... Well, actually, he, and actually the guy says it in the earlier scene, the KGB minder, Strzyzewski, <laughs> says, if you don't behave, you, you will never dance. You know, you, your career as a dancer could be affected. You may never dance outside Russia again, if you know. So he, the yeah. audience are given an indication that if he doesn't toe the line, he's, he will never f dance abroad again. And you never know the extent of that threat, yeah. you know, whether yeah. he'd ever dance again, period, you know, yeah. or what would happen to him. And you're seeing all that. And, well, before I go on, we should see a scene because I, I mentioned only briefly mm -hmm. that you're also in the movie. No. And how clever of you to just do all your dialogue in Russian, you know? <laughs> Is it because it was your second mother tongue? No, no, no. It all, it's sort of as though I didn't want to be in the film. Really, honestly, I didn't. I wanted to direct the film, and I wanted Russian actors and Russian roles speaking Russian, French mm -hmm. actors speaking French. And I started having a wonderful time. I went to Moscow and St. Petersburg and was meeting wonderful actors and casting them. And, um, but the finance was really tricky because language, because I wanted an unknown dancer who, who'd mm -hmm. never acted before to play the part. And that always makes them so happy and confident. Yeah, they were very... <laughs> <laughs> well, and then finally, it was in fact a Russian executive producer who said to me, Rafe, if you're looking for investment, we need people with some kind of international name. Why are you not in the film? <laughs> And it I like got finger. Yes, that it was, was a sort of like Why that. You yeah, yeah, and then it got, and that was the point where, having sort of de been determined to have a Russian play Pushkin, I kind of folded. Um, I knew it was a lovely part. I thought David had written a beautiful part mm. uh, of this wonderful teacher. He was a, he was a great ballet teacher, famous, taught Baryshnikov as well. Um, and I had done a film in Russian before. And my Russian is functional and fine, and like enough to build on to, 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 to get that enough dialogue to fool down. Fool the likes of me. Fool the likes <laughs> of you, exactly, right. exactly. You, you did. No, you I think to Russian or Russian, <laughs> I probably have a very slight accent. I'm told. Okay. Well, let's look at mm -hmm. a clip mm -hmm. from that. You can say anything you want, Dirk. Okay. 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 Well, this is this this rehearsal room is a, is a pretty much a replica of the principal rehearsal room in St. Petersburg. We went there and measured it. So that mirror, that railing, that's all there. I mean, exactly. we built it. We built it to, um, as a replica. We Rudolf Nureyev. Da. I Alexander Ivanovich Pushkin. Вон там есть место. Поклон.
much the formal bow they do to the teacher at the beginning of every lesson. Respect to the teacher. Mm -hmm. And that's what you insisted on as a director, too, I'm sure. <laughs> every there day. There would be a bow. Every day the <laughs> cast had to bow to me. Pleased <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to do that. So I was joking before about you and dancing, but it, it's, it's something you were never interested in, per se. No, I mean, the, the truth is I felt the story of the boy artist dancer was the one that pulled me, but I didn't come to it because I knew or had experience of ballet. What, so that was, when you asked me earlier about making the film, that was a sort of scary thing because I knew I had to do my homework on the ballet, choose the ballet segments I wanted in the film and get around me people who could advise me and tell me when it was good and when it wasn't good. And that was, I was way out of my comfort zone on it. Um, and we had to revisit some of the footage. We had to reshoot some of it. Well, because, many people say that, um, you know, basically the road to creativity is when you leave the comfort zone. Yeah, well, know? that's true, I think. Yeah. And, I mean, you, and the whole thing was out of comfort zone in a way with, the, with, with Oleg. And obviously, I, I believeved in him, but, you know, who so knew? So this we, is uh, Oleg Ivenko, who Oleg Ivenko you, you chose with no acting experience, a dancer. Yes, but I can see he's got a screen acting gift. I can see that the camera loves him and he has a way of being natural and his sort of instincts. When he tested for me, he had very, very good acting instincts, screen acting instincts, very good. So I felt he, 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 it was really how can someone who's not acted, how can they interpret or add expression or find a, a, a bigger spectrum of nuance and tone, emotional range, I suppose is what I'm mm -hmm. saying. Yeah. And you, you're saying about his drive, Nureyev's drive mm. to just get there and to be the best yeah. at what he was doing. Yeah. What about you? Was that you, too, starting out as an actor? I think a bit Did of you me have was. that drive that said, I've, I've got to do this? Yes, I think a bit of me, I guess a bit of the fantasy is I wish I could. I mean, it sounds perverse to say, but I always <laughs> love the bits where he's being a... Can we say what we like here? Yes, you can. When he's being a complete... He is. I always, I always find that kind of refreshing. Mm. And every time that it's on the screen, he's appalling. I kind of laugh with pleasure. I don't know why, because it's like a, a bit of me would love to be. <laughs> I remember you years ago telling me that's how you felt about Voldemort, too. <laughs> that the idea of torturing children was just fine. Fine. Right, right. Here it is. But I think the thing is that there's bits of one that one never accesses, that there's a kind of, so I guess... There's something purely ferocious about Nureyev, which I, I love. I love it because it doesn't accommodate anyone. It's sort of monstrous and appalling, and I'm sure I would hate to be on the receiving end of it. But just dramatically, it's just... He's like some, something out of a Greek myth, or some person who's blessed and cursed with the gift of dance and mm -hmm. a monstrous spirit. And, the, and uh, yeah, he's sort of got a force that's sort of beyond human, which I, I, I'm, it moves me. It's strange. Well, it's not strange at all, but the, the three movies you have directed, Coriolanus and The Invisible Woman, and now this, are Coriolanus, not real, but a soldier, mm -hmm. a soldier who is, basically has that ego as well. Yeah. And what I was always found fascinating about that play and the modern dress way that yeah. you did it mm. was that this guy had no interest in public opinion. That's right. He didn't That's want, right. he really didn't care didn't what the damn. public said. No, yeah, yeah. And as an actor mm. or a ballet dancer mm. or somebody, if you want to be famous, yeah. you have to care that much about it. You know? Uh, Charles Dickens mm. in Invisible Woman was uh, so popular. Yeah, and just, he, it mattered to him. Yeah. It mattered to him it, what, how people thought about him. 
but they're all yeah. dealing with it. Yeah, they they're all basically dealing with that light shining. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That says, that's right. What do I do now? That's right. That I'm in this position. Can I make something happen? Is that something that's just sort of underneath your reasons for doing things when you're directing as well as acting? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't analyze too much why. I mean, I just know there's something. <coughs> Coriolanus was a project that I just couldn't let go of, and people thought I was mad, and I, I just thought it's a, the modern version of it resonates with so much today. It still does, even ten, ten years later. Well, I, I think. think it's especially resonating. Yeah. No, I think, um, and I just I'm drawn to these. I mean, like David Hare wrote a version of an Ibsen play adapted um, The Master Builder, which also is this kind of... Um, and for some reason, I'm drawn to these quite monstrous people. Tortured, tormented people. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dickens never seemed that way to me. Uh, you know, He enjoyed being up in front of the public and saying, I'm going to read my stuff. That's he, right. No, he loved it. <clears throat> this yeah. is what's going to happen. He was, an, he, was a, he was as much an actor as he was, or performer, certainly, as he was a, a writer, I think, Dickens. Yeah. Which but he had this, but it was the... He had a very, he was, when you look at how he left his marriage to, to I suppose, to find a way to see Nelly secretly, there was a ruthlessness in that, in how he left his wife, something quite, but he didn't want to confront his own, you know, friends left him, mm -hmm. and he was mad at them. He couldn't accept he was in the wrong. I mean, it was an, he had to do lots of weird sort of, I don't know, sort of inner, inner morality flips within himself to justify what he was doing. I mean, I think he was very, he couldn't... Well, we're all talking to ourselves yeah, about we what we, we do, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, you know, yeah. we're going through that process. Yeah, and exactly. when I was saying about present tense, yeah. these, these are period films, yeah. but they don't seem that way. Mm. There's like no dust on them. Mm. You know, it seems to be these issues are happening right now. Which is and the present tense thing really is. I really l love that you've picked up on that because often people look for judgments or rationale or a clear plan in human behaviour, and it isn't. It's all spilling out of us in the moment, and we don't quite know why we have that impulse or that reaction. We don't really know, and that's what I, that's what I love about um, exploring human beings as an actor or as, as director. The sort of the mystery of human behaviour. Well, a lot of people, when they hear your name, they think of the serious side. I mean, mm. they're thinking he's played the English patient. Mm. He's done uh, Shakespeare, Ibsen, Shaw, mm. all of these things. Mm. Mm. And recently, though, in, in this decade, the comic side of you has come out in mm. ways that surprise even me. You know, the Grand Budapest Hotel is hysterically funny. Mm. And it, in me, I, my, not many people saw this movie, but I did more than once, called Hail Caesar oh, yeah. from the Coen Brothers, yeah. where you're just this pompous English director <laughs> yeah. who's directing a cowboy yeah, that's to do right. drawing room comics. That's right, that's and right. And I remember how he, this yeah. poor kid is trying to say, yeah. uh, would that it was so simple. That's right. And you're going, no, would that it was so simple. Do you, is that liberating for you to get to play comedy yeah yeah fantastic yeah, yeah i love it yeah i mean both the grand budapest hotel and that that, that script hail caesar were wonderful scripts i mean it was great on the page mm -hmm. so i think that i'm you know if if i am have any aptitude for comedy it depends on the material really in the director 
It does, but there's something in you that goes to just what you were saying before about liking people yeah. who are like major SOBs, yes. you know, who can get out there and just say it. Because this guy in Hail Caesar is really trying so hard yeah. to be formal and do this until right. he can't take it anymore, right. where he would just throttle. <laughs> but then Joel and Ethan really let us play with that. So we went off script a little bit. Some of that is us riffing on their own their dialogue. All those people, in terms of the directors that you've worked with, mm. too, and now that you're a director yourself, I don't know how whether you have another one up your sleeve, but who did you learn the most from, rather than saying, these are my favorites, or I did this? Who, from the directors that you've worked with, who did you pick up things that have gone into your work as a director? Um, well, I've, I remember that Steven Spielberg's energy on set, his clarity of communicating and his knowledge of what he wanted and what he was intending and his uninhibited sort of, okay, we'll change that, oh, that's not working, let's do this. It was, called, he was, it was a very exciting energy to be around and I think crews and cast, you respond to that, it's good, rather than a director who might be quite thinky or inside themselves or a bit tentative and... And I, 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 I really loved being around his energy on that, and that was terrific. And then Anthony Minghella really Im impressed me by his true collaboration with his creative team. He really genuinely wanted the input and ideas of his cameraman or his editor, Walter Murch. John Seal was his cameraman. Stuart Craig, who famously designed all the Harry Potters, designed mm -hmm. the production designer on English Patients. So all these people, Anthony, sort of come Gutner wanted their ideas, and I have loved truly Mike Ely the, the DP who shot White Crow I loved working with him and I um, and it's 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 a it's it's exciting when these people give you they give you their skill and their experience and and you and you interact and there's something really thrilling about especially if there's a collective energy there's a sort of inner there's an understanding and almost an unspoken understanding <laughs> that we love this project we all want to make it work and people are incredibly loyal to this film who I approached at a stage when I thought the finance was there and it wasn't and Anne Sibel, my production designer, and Mike Ely, they all stayed loyal and I think effectively waited and waited, risking losing other work in order to do this. And that's very, when you feel that level of commitment from people, that's, that's exciting and, and rewarding. Why is it always so difficult to get we sometimes we just call it indie, an indie mm. movie, mm. which means you know it's not a Marvel movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that they're they're more and more difficult to get made now. Well, especially I mean, you, you must know because you're probably in the forefront of seeing all these films come and go. But yeah. uh, these kinds of films, what you might call adult character-driven drama, hard to make now. And I think television has colonized that sort of. That type of drama, I suppose, but it, it is. I mean, I made it. I made it hard by wanting a lot of foreign language, wanting an unknown to play in your ear. If I, all those things are not. They're not. They're not candy to distributors at no, all. No. So while you keep saying, "I want a dancer who <laughs> has never acted before," yeah. and I want the Russian, yeah. are they trying to get it uh, set up an intervention for you, no, or no, are they I just think, pointing the finger I think and saying it, no? I think it was a conundrum because they all could see that David had written something quite exciting and mm -hmm. the story was special. They could. They were excited by the script, and they. I think they were excited by the. I mean, I, I created a kind of mood sizzle reel with. I had. Oleg's screen test and I had bits of Nureyev and with the help of a young editor I, 
who put it helped help me put it together, I would use this in the meetings and, and, and trying to pitch the movie. And I, I could see people were engaged by it. But we, it was a, a big cast. We wanted to shoot across three, four. It was shot in exteriors in Paris, exteriors in St. Petersburg, a bulk of it shot in Serbia and Belgrade, some shot in Croatia in a theatre there. And that's expensive immediately. And so people would go, we love it, we love what you're doing, the, but it's just the, the figures that you're quoting to make it. The budget is too high. Mm-hmm. The market tells us that you should be making it for this much less. But we just couldn't get it down unless we... I mean, thanks to Gabby, she supported me wanting to build things like that, recreate that studio mm-hmm. and to build the airport. And we looked at lots of places where you might have done a halfway house and adapted locations. So a lot of the production value means that we, you know, the budget has gone up and has made it a tough, made it a t- a tough pro- proposal. So, but thanks to Gabby, thanks to a fantastic crew, there was a sort of commitment to get, I mean, in the no, end... No, that's it's, great to have that. Know, but it's a, mir- it's a sort of miracle. I mean, but the pressure of, is on you, It right? is, yeah. You didn't yeah. have to deliver this. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it was intense. It was really intense. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it your own uh, sadomasochism yes. that yes, brings you to this? It is. It's sadomasochistic. Of doing it. I'm acting and I'm... Because you always say, I don't really want to be in it. Right. But in the case of Coriolanus, you No, are, I did want to be in yeah, that. Yeah, you did want to be I in did. It. I resisted and you wanted Dickens. to play Dickens. And no, Dickens I resisted but I kind of resisted as I backed into the limelight, you might say. But then this I really didn't want to be in. I really didn't want to be in it until, someone, as I said to you earlier, someone said, you should be in it to make yeah. it work. Um, what, when you're having dinner in a restaurant or walking on the street, do people most come up to you and say, I remember you in this? What is it? It's either Voldemort or English patient, I suppose. Sometimes Schindler's List. It's funny because... <laughs> In both movies, you're sometimes completely unrecognizable. You've got the bandages on. Uh, yeah. Or as Voldemort, you have no nose. That's right. And so that's very flattering. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I definitely recognize you as Voldemort. Right? Yes. People do recognize me. You frighten children. I bet that would make you happy. No, I've said this before, but it was very gratifying when I was on the set of Harry Potter once and I... And in fact, as on the set, I had my own nose. They, take, they took my nose away digi- digitally later. Mm-hmm. But I did, I did look pretty weird with the white makeup and yeah. the bad teeth and the thing. And, the, and I walked past the, the, I think it was the son or the script supervisor. It must have been about four or five. And I just walked past and just looked. And this boy burst into tears. <laughs> I, I thought, I was so grateful. Yes, yes. It's working. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> you could just pull that out every <laughs> Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> Without obviously having I didn't to do anything. Do anything I just, I just, just looked. Past I just looked. And, you know, I don't know when you have time to do anything, like actually see other people's movies, uh, because you just finished, didn't you just do Anthony and Cleopatra? Yes, I did. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Is there a time where you just say, no, what I'm going to do? Nothing. You know, I'm going to take six months and... Uh, I need to do that, actually. I want to do that. I, I, what, would I you am? go crazy? You're, you're right. I probably would. Yeah. I, the idea of a six-month sabbatical is appealing, but I... I, I think I would be quite restless unless I had some kind of plan to do something in it. I mean, not film, but I mean either go on a trip or... There always seems to be mischief in your plan, which mm. is what I really <laughs> admire about what you do, is that the next thing isn't going to follow. 
that after you do the English patient, they probably say, we'll do more of this. Mm -hmm. Or you will show up in a Bond movie, you, you get to be M. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's what you, I'm doing next. That's you get to be Judy Dench. Yes. Which is, I think, everyone's <laughs> dream. <laughs> so, see, you're doing that one next. Mm -hmm. So, what is it? What is that motivation that you say, I've got, I'm going to do this next, even though it doesn't follow any pattern? which they tell us in this industry. It's just a gut, it's a gut feeling on a script and a director and a part and it's just a feeling. I don't have a, re I don't, usually if I've made a decision about something that's about, oh, that's, that's you know, either it might be a commercial reason or it's someone saying you should, I mean, if there's a sort of a career move reason, it's always not been good. If it's been a gut feeling about like you, Luca Guadagnino came to me with Bigger Splash. Yeah. And that part, and I just thought, that's so, fan big. so fantastic, <clears throat> that part. I've not been asked to play that. And Luca's, the way Luca thinks and the way he thinks filmically is very interesting, exciting. He was a rat bastard, but he was really interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I just went like, that's it. I want, I, and it was weird. I just wait for the scripts where I have no kind of, I go, that's it. I want to do it. There's no doubt. There's no... Um, so no yeah. personal life for you, Rafe. No jumping out of planes for uh, adrenaline rush. No. I should do that. I think I <laughs> okay, should well try to do that. You have a list for you. Okay. No. Give me the list, yeah, you can and do I'll, all I'll try and tick them off. We have a few questions that come from social media. Okay. So are you ready to take I'm ready. this on? I'm okay. Ready. Here we go. Let's look at one. Okay. In the future, is there any true life story or any book you would absolutely love to adapt to film? I bet there's plenty. I can't think of one right now. A true life story, a book you'd absolutely love to adapt to. Um, I can't think of one, sorry. Even thing. when you're reading a book, I mean, you, would, you must be thinking, what would I do with it? Um, or can you compartmentalize? No, I'd like to try to read books and not think, and not think, not think like I that. I, I don't want to. I, otherwise, you're always, every book you read is about how it's going to be a movie. Everything and that's is a bit depressing. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be a play. Yeah, it could so be it's a okay. play. It's, it's okay. All right, uh, we'll go to another. Um, no, there is. I read. Um, there's a very good book about the Spanish Civil War um, called. And forgive me, I'm going to forget the writer right now. But mm -hmm. it's sort of about. It's called Hotel Florida, and it's about Robert Capa, the photographer, and Hemingway, and these these sort of you know, figures of journalists, writers, Martha Gellin, and it's the Spanish Civil War. And I always think that would be an amazing story to tell about these people and this big conflict that was shaping, sort of the, in a way, shaping what was going to be the Cold War. And that, I read that book. Um, See? So that, there is one. that was something that sat with me. Okay. Mm. Next question. I must remember the writer, Amanda. Sally D. I have loved you since seeing Schindler's List. It's always weird when they love you for being a Nazi who yeah. has just murdered so many. <laughs> okay, but fine. Everybody has their own particular thing. The English Patient is my favorite movie. Do you have a favorite character that you've played? Um, well, I like playing The English Patient. That was a great part. No, no question. That was a great, complex, complicated guy, Omashi. So I like that. I also like playing the Englishman, the rather sort of um, shy, uh, self-effacing Englishman who proves himself to be quite courageous in his own way. Constant, Constant Garden. Garden. I like that yeah. part very much. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. And do we have more? Let's see. Oh, well, I think you semi-answered it. That <laughs> what drives you as an actor? These are all really questions that are kind of very hard to answer sure. succinctly. Well, they should be. Yeah. You know? 
That's um, the whole I point. I don't know what drives me. I mean, um, I remember it's about wanting to escape into other worlds and other people, I think. Um, I, I feel very, I feel happy, I guess happy, or something in me feels fulfilled when I'm acting, mm -hmm. especially in, especially in the theatre. Um, especially there. Yeah, yeah, especially in the theatre. Yeah. You haven't been in New York uh, no. on the stage here for a, wh a while. I love being in front of an audience. Yeah. And I had, a, with Sophie Okaneda, who played Cleopatra, mm -hmm. I had an extraordinary time. Um, uh, it just felt so rich, that play with her, her energy. That was, um, and we just, you feel very alive. I mean, it's, I uh, can't explain it, but it's um, in the present moment to a, a, a room full of, you know, a thousand people at the National Theatre. Well, you don't have to explain it because what happens is, if we feel it too, yeah. I've seen a lot of theater and I've seen a lot of theater where the people up on that stage aren't feeling it, mm -hmm. you know, aren't in it. Mm -hmm. And I think as an audience, you can see that, you know. And that I'll tell be you, I've seen two performances here that's really in New York, actually, just as you're talking <coughs> about mm -hmm. that thing where you, something shifts in the atmosphere and it mm -hmm. was... It was Denzel Washington on The Iceman Cometh. Mm -hmm. I thought he was just extraordinary in that part. And Glenda Dak Jackson in Three Tall Women. Mm -hmm. I thought those were two amazing stage performances that I kind of inspired me. Alive to every yeah. moment yeah. that they're yeah. <clears throat> on that stage exactly. to do that. Yeah. 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 Well, as you know, when we end the show, it's yeah. always in song. All right. Go ahead. You don't. <laughs> no. Once you sang something from Bernard and Doris, another one of the ones that I, uh, I, I okay. could, but, you know, it could, I want something now, the little okay. bit of song from your youth, from young Rafe, growing up, developing this feeling that he was going to torture people and enjoy it. No, my, my childhood is my dad singing, um, there once was a farmer who took a young miss to the back of a barn where he gave her a lecture on horses and chickens and eggs and told her she had the most beautiful manners which suited a girl of her charms, the kind of a girl that could take in his washing and ironing, and then if she would, they would get married and have lots of sweet violets, <laughs> sweeter than the yeah. roses, covered all over from head to toe, covered all over with sweet violets. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. And that's probably what got into your head in some way and has made you the man you are today. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Always great to see, great you. see you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. That's fabulous. <laughs>